Good morning again. My name is still Brandon, one of the pastors here. Whether you're joining us online, on television, or right here in the sanctuary, thanks so much for taking a little bit of your October day to spend with us. I'm quite excited for this new series, Stone Carved Rules in Digital Times. I'm a fan because I love new stuff. I love technology. I really just like new things even at the grocery store. When my wife and I go grocery shopping, she has to pull me in the cart away from anything that's got a new sign slapped to it. Any new flavor of pop or soda, I'm there because it's new. Ooh, new Coke with cinnamon. Ooh, new Coke with raspberry. Ooh, new Coke with avocado. I'm there. I'm going to get it just because it's new. I'm a moth to a flame. Now, I love technology so much, I've got to put boundaries. I've got to put controls in my life because if I wasn't careful, I'd buy every new smartphone and tablet, computer and television every time they dropped, and they drop multiple times every year. It's not because my two-year-old smartphone has problems. It works perfectly fine but it's because I want the new thing. I want the shiny thing that does like one new thing. I must have it. Now my personal boundaries, I've got to wait at least three years before I look to change my smartphone. It was at least seven years before we replace our home desktop, desktop computer at the house. And, every, and it was 10 years before we updated the television that we currently have. Now, every time we, I say those numbers, every time I say those numbers, those boundaries, a little part of my heart dies because it is not the newest or the latest technology. Now, over the past couple decades, technology, the rise of the internet and social media and smartphones, it has connected us on a level I don't know if anybody really saw coming. As grandparents, we can see daily new pictures of our grandkids, regardless of how far away they live. You might even have one of those picture frames that's digital, and new pictures just appear every time your kids upload pictures of your grandkids. It is very awesome. Vicki and I love seeing updates on social media from Christian brothers and sisters around the world. We might have only been in that place once or twice, but we get regular updates from people we're connected to because of social media. The rise of the smartphone has given people with very few material resources around the world access to tools and technology that would never have been thought of even just a decade ago. Now, whenever a new technology arises, there's always a gain and a loss. I mean, think back to the printing press. The printing press making cheap, readily, and easily available print to anybody. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was a prolific writer. He wrote all kinds of books and tracts and pamphlets and brochures. It's one of the reasons Methodists exploded when it originally appeared. Now, there is a loss as we print all this stuff. Now, when you print everything, you're going to lose the oral tradition. You're going to lose telling people stories and memory. You no longer have to remember as much as you did before because now it's on paper and you can use your brain for other stuff. Now, there's similar gains and losses in our digital times. Do you remember anybody's phone number anymore? I still remember my phone number growing up. It doesn't exist anymore, but I can dial it. Uh, I remember my grandparents' phone number, and they have long since passed to be with Jesus. I have no idea what my in-laws' phone numbers are. I just push their name, and away it goes. Memory not required. 
Now, the digital times we live in have given us the ability to be hyper-connected to anyone we choose. We give them our cell numbers so we can text, or we give them our handles on social media. But we are typically connecting at just the surface level. We can't cultivate deep relationships because those take time, energy, grace, and forgiveness to develop. Too often on social media, we default to being keyboard warriors. We defend our positions with the gusto and certainty we never would do in person. We show much more grace, much more compassion, much more empathy in face-to-face encounters than we do behind a keyboard or a smartphone screen. You know, the internet was predicted to make loneliness and isolation a thing of the past. But what's happened instead? Since 2010, people are more isolated and they are more lonely than they ever have been before. This was before the pandemic. This is before the pandemic and our slow emergence out of it. The internet was supposed to bring people closer together. The internet was supposed to bridge differences. And instead, people gathered in their own echo chambers where they're never challenged or pushed on what they believe and why. This has accelerated the decline and breakdown of collaborative structures in the real world. We've lost the ability to listen to each other and to learn from one another. Now, maybe we just haven't figured out how to do online community well yet, and we're going to figure out how it works best down the road. Or maybe online community is an add-on, but it's not a total replacement for face-to-face connection. It's telling to me that God came in the flesh in Jesus to walk with us, to eat with us, uh, to experience our life as we live it in the here and now. We will always need some kind of human face-to-face interaction with people no matter how much of our lives ends up being lived inside and behind a screen. On the horizon, even more technology and different technology is coming our way. With the advent of the metaverse, virtual reality, and augmented reality. You've probably seen pictures of these headsets in movies, on television shows. You might have even tried them out already. Now, we are friends. Technology is not going anywhere. So what do we do? How do we as followers of Jesus live? Do we forsake all technology and we're just going to live off the land? Do we go all in? We neglect face-to-face human interaction. Or do we find a way to engage people where they are, online, in person, encourage them to find Jesus in the real world and online, and we challenge each other to be the same. We challenge each other to be the same whether we're in person or online behind a screen. Over the next couple weeks, we're gonna spend some time with another community of people, an ancient community of people, and see how God encouraged them to order their lives. You're invited with me. You can turn to Exodus chapter 20 if you want to follow along. You can follow along in your own Bibles, on your favorite device, or on the screen with me. Now, we're entering the story of the ancient Israelites. And up to this point, they have been slaves in Egypt for generations, for hundreds of years. Now, in Exodus 20, they are a freed people. They're in the desert east of Egypt. Now, they've got to find a way to live together. They've got to find a way to build a community to survive and to thrive. They have been oppressed for generations, and God's going to give them some guidance on what healthy community looks like. Now, we know from Jesus' words that our purpose is to love God, to love people, and to love ourselves. Jesus actually borrows those words from the book of Leviticus in your Old Testament. But guess what? At this moment in Exodus, Leviticus hasn't been written yet. 
Those words haven't been spoken or written down. But as we explore Exodus, you're going to see that notion of loving God and loving people, it's going to come out immediately in these passages. If you've skimmed the scripture, you noticed this is the Ten Commandments. Where might you have seen these before? Now, maybe you've seen a list of them on your parents' or your grandparents' wall. I think everybody might have had this piece of art at some point. Maybe you remember them from court battles from decades past where people are fighting to post them or not in public spaces. So where do these commandments come from? What was their original intent? Their original intent was to help a previously enslaved people become a community, a covenant community, a community that lives up to the challenge that God is sending out for them. They're supposed to grow into a nation that is blessed and they're gonna bless others because of it. That's the original intent of the Ten Commandments. That's why we've got them in our Bibles. The Old Testament actually calls these the Ten Words. The word commandment actually isn't even found in this passage. There is some overlap here as you read these and how we should still live together as a church today, as well as how we handle our technology. But as we go through this series, just remember, they were primarily written to heads of families in a patriarchal, a male-dominated society some 3,000 years ago. And they were written so these people could survive, so they could thrive, and live into God's purposes for themselves. Let's begin in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20. Then God gave the people these instructions. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery, You must not have any other gods but me. Now from the first verse, we get these are going to be instructions. These are going to be guidelines for how this new community should relate to God and to each other. God reminds them of what God has done for them. This is the kind of God you're going to follow. And this is the heart of where these rules are going to come from. This is who I am. This is what I do, says the Lord. I rescue I have your best interests at heart. I love you. I care for you. And you know this because I showed this to you because I loved you by rescuing you out of slavery in Egypt. Friends, that is the same God. That is the same God we worship and follow today. The one who loves you. The one who has your best interests at heart. God cares for you and wants to rescue you just like he rescued the Israelites from whatever hangs you up, whatever holds you back, from becoming the person that God has created and made you to be. God wants you to be flourishing in this life, following Jesus each and every day. After that essential and critical reminder, this is the character of the God that you're going to follow. This is the Lord that you serve, the one who rescues, the one who has your best interests at heart. Now we get some guidelines. Now we get some words. Now we get some commandments on how this community should be organized. Here is just a snapshot of the Ten Commandments. Now, there's a number of different orderings. If you were going to Check with different denominations, or you might see some artwork where artists have taken creative license to reorder them. Uh, This is the one from Exodus 20, and it's actually nearly identical, if not identical, in Deuteronomy 5. Sometimes people will break verses at different spots, creating a few different commandments, but this is going to be our list. This will be our list of the Ten Commandments for this series. 
Now, even though we don't yet have this command to love God and to love our neighbors, it is right here in these two columns. If you look at the column on the left, the first four commandments, they're about our connection to God. No other gods but the Lord. Don't make idols, don't misuse the Lord's name, and observe the Sabbath day. That's all about our connection to God. And then the other six are about our neighbors. The left is love God, the right is love your neighbors. We love our neighbors by honoring our parents. We love our neighbors by not killing them. We love our neighbors by not committing adultery, respect each other's marriages, don't steal, don't lie, and don't covet your neighbor's stuff. But this is all good things in trying to love your neighbor. Now, a note on uh, number three. You might have seen some artwork about the third commandment where it says number three is no cussing, uh, no swearing. <laughs> or don't swear, don't cuss, and don't go with people who do. Now, it actually, this commandment has nothing to do with swearing. It has nothing to do with colorful language in that way. There are other passages that talk about don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but this commandment has nothing to do with how colorful you might speak. Rightly interpreted to, take, to not take God's name in vain means to, not give, to give credit to God for stuff that God did not do at all. Don't start a war and say God called you to do it, but you just wanted to. Don't build a sanctuary and say God called you to it when God didn't call you to do it. When God is the God of life and we say car accidents and cancer and miscarriages are all God's will, we've given God credit for stuff that God did not do. And we've broken the third commandment. That's what it means to take God's name in vain. Don't say something is God's will when it's not. It has nothing to do with colorful language or swearing. It's got everything to do with giving God credit or blame for something God did not do. We've all likely run afoul of this one from time to time. In a couple of weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into the longest verse count in this passage. The longest one, the longest commandment that gets all this explanation is remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's a transitional commandment. It's the last one that talks about loving God, and then we move to loving our neighbors. And you've even got a little bit of loving our neighbors in this commandment. It talks about giving rest to everyone in your household in the Sabbath. Yes, practicing Sabbath, a day of rest, keeps our focus to God, but it also honors our neighbors as we honor their time, as we let them rest, to be with the people they need to be. It not only reconnects us with God, but it also reconnects us, the Sabbath, with people that we care about the most. This piece on the Sabbath also is a reflection of God's creation. Genesis tells us God creates in six days, and on the seventh, God rests. God rests in this world for us to enjoy, to work in, and to find our purpose. God made this world. No matter how much of our digital lives may grow, how much time we're gonna spend behind a screen, a keyboard, with a VR headset on, there is still something unique about this world that God has made for us. God has directly made this world for our rejuvenation, our restoration. If we find ourselves out of sorts, we need a break. We need a Sabbath focused on God, and we might simply need to get outside to get away from screens and into the real world God has made for us to enjoy. A Sabbath from technology will be critical in the days ahead. It's critical now for us to be the people God has made us to be.
Now, as we consider our responsibilities in community, in face-to-face community, in online community, we're focusing on this first commandment. You must not have any other God but me. Now, the ancient Israelites lived in the part of the world with many gods, many gods, many, many gods people followed. Here, the Lord is telling them there is one God, and it's me. They would have been unusual. They would have been unusual in the time and the place they lived to follow this one God. That would have made it tough. Everybody else around them is following multiple gods, and they're supposed to be this beacon to follow one. 3,000 years, 3, years or so later, the name of the gods have changed, but we can still worship other gods. Technology can absolutely be another god. We can be shaped and learn and shape and change by what we read and digest on our various devices from various websites and groups. And some of these websites and groups share questionable content at best. We can also be shaped by the devices themselves. We are conditioned for fast and easy answers. Man, if I try to load a website on my phone and it doesn't load instantly, I'm gone. That website is dead to me. I'm going to somewhere else. If I can't have something immediately on my device, I'm looking somewhere else. Our devices train us for fast and easy answers in a very complex world. We can't sit for long without an answer that's uh, this question that's burning on our mind. Many times... God does not answer us quickly. God wants to be in relationship, in a dialogue with us. God is not the Google for all the questions that we have. God doesn't shape us like food in a microwave. God doesn't shape us quickly and fast like we search for answers on our phone. God wants us to be crockpot people in a microwave world. Appropriate metaphor for the fall, right? Dust out your crockpots. We are supposed to be crockpot people in a microwave world. Jesus shapes us slowly over a long period of time. It happens that way because that's how change happens over a long, sustained period of time. That's how permanent change occurs. One pastor said, following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. What it means to follow Jesus, it's a long obedience in the same direction. That's the Christian life. That's the goal of walking with Jesus every day. It is not a sprint. It is not fast. It's not flashy most of the time. It's daily being shaped by God in prayer, in scripture, in community, walking with Jesus together. Friends, this first commandment is important. It's foundational because we become what we worship. We become what we worship, and we all worship something. We all worship something because God has wired us to worship something. God's wired us to worship God. We will worship technology if we don't put boundaries and safeguards and Sabbath breaks in its use. We know we worship technology when we expect a fast answer to everything that doesn't leave time to process to pray, to think, to hear opposing viewpoints, to let ourselves to be shaped by Jesus in the slow daily walk of following him. The Israelites had a hard time. They had a hard time worshiping one God. There are quite a few stories where they don't get it right. They worship other gods. They make up other gods because God doesn't respond fast enough. This God who led them out of slavery in Egypt, who gives them food in the desert, who saved them from themselves so many times, they are impatient and are not going to wait for God to respond. 
We can speak so harshly against the Israelites when they're just a mirror for us. We do the same things. We do the same things today in a 21st century way. We're close to God, then we slip away. Our attention gets pulled to other gods. It gets pulled into technology or careers, relationships. Our life gets disordered. Our life gets out of the habits and rhythms that we put in place so that God is at the center of our lives. And the rest of our life falls out of order around it. When we want to reorder it again, when we want to come back, Jesus is ready. Jesus is always ready to welcome us back. And it's called repentance, a word that literally means turn around. Turn around and go back the way you came. Turn around and go back to the things that you were doing when your life was ordered and it was in the right place. That Jesus is at the center. Jesus is always waiting to take us back. He is right there waiting to help us down that slow daily path that leads to him. Because we become what we worship. Will you choose technology, Jesus, or something else? In this series, we're also going to see how Jesus addressed the Ten Commandments. What does he do with these ten words? Well, he makes them even harder to follow. Thank you, Jesus. So commandment number seven is do not commit adultery. What does Jesus say about this one? Jesus said, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The goal is not just to not cheat on your spouse in marriage. The goal, the target, is to not even look at someone you are attracted to lustfully and romantically. That is a high bar. Jesus' point, we need a heart transplant. We need a deep transformation. If we're not going to worship technology or any other gods in our modern world, if we're truly only going to worship God and all that we do, we need a complete inner transformation. Sin begins, missing the mark begins inside of us. That's where the choice to break authentic community comes from. It starts inside of us. A deep transformation is needed to prevent that. Jesus offers transformation, a new life, to anyone who says, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. I follow you with everything that I am. In spite of all the ways I'm going to mess up, in spite of all the ways I'm going to trip and fall and take four steps back, my heart's desire is to follow you in all things. Friends, we become what we worship. It's the first commandment is all about. Whether it's technology or Jesus or something else, we become what we worship. So may we put healthy boundaries around our use of technology so we can be shaped by Jesus, the one who seeks to do a deep work in us so we can lead a flourishing life in the here and now. Let's pray together. Loving God, we still live in a world that can worship multiple gods, including technology and all the benefits and all the drawbacks that come with it. No matter how much time we spend online in digital spaces, may we worship you alone. May we be shaped by you alone so that no matter if we see people face to face or meet them online, we will be a community, a people that share you through our words, deeds, and actions, no matter where we are. It's in your resurrected son's name that we pray together. Amen.